Welcome to the C3 Church Watson Podcast. Our vision is to connect you to Jesus, grow you as a disciple, and help you serve His purpose. We hope you are blessed by this week's message. On the topic of, you know, New Year's resolutions, I don't often like do a New Year's resolution. I find that, like Jemima, they last until about February, if that, if I'm lucky. Um, but my husband Dan kept asking me, you know, what would, what would your New Year's resolution be? So now I've decided it's to try and dance in his face as often as I can to try and make him smile. And I think it's going well. <laughs> he's, he's smiling, so it must be working. So we are... We are good. So in the month of January, we always like to unpack a book of the Bible. And this year, we are going to go through the book of Ruth. So each Sunday, we'll do, dive into one chapter each Sunday morning, which is going to be amazing. But if you want to be extra prepared, it means each Sunday before you get to church, you could read that chapter and you'll be like ahead of the game. Be incredible. But a little overview about the book of Ruth. It is a book in the Old Testament, and it tells the story of mainly two people named Naomi and her daughter-in-law, Ruth. So it is really a redemption story highlighting how God will always look after and protect not only the Israelites, but the people who have faith and trust in him. So it conveys how God's grace can lead you from destruction and helplessness into a place of freedom and protection and a place where you can flourish. So God cares about the desire of your heart, your dreams, your hopes, which is why in the last Sunday of January, we're actually going to have our Dream Sunday which is a time where you can bring your dreams, you can write them on a piece of paper, bring your dreams, bring your hopes to God, and you can keep them with you for the year. But on that Sunday, you can bring them forward. People will pray over you, pray over your dreams. And at the end of the year, you can look back and see what dreams God placed in your heart and what he's had come to life over this year. So before we get into it, I'm just going to pray. So God, would you use these words, use this time to draw us closer to you and bring us a deeper understanding and revelation of who you are through the book of Ruth. In your mighty name, amen. So if you want to, by the end of today, we'll have read the whole of first chapter of Ruth. So if you want to open your Bibles to read along with me, you most certainly can. They will also be up on the screens. So we're going to start with the start of chapter one. So in the days when the judges ruled, there was a famine in the land. So a man from Bethlehem in Judah, together with his wife and two sons, went to live for a while in the country of Moab. The man's name was Elimelech, his wife's name was Naomi, and the names of his two sons were Malon and Kilon. They were Ephrodites from Bethlehem, Judah, and they went to Moab to live there. 
Now, Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died, and she was left with her two sons. They married Moabite women, one named Orpah and the other Ruth. After they had lived there about 10 years, both of their sons also died, and Naomi was left without her two sons or her husband. So the story of Ruth all really begins with the hardship of a man, Elimelech, who was faced with a choice in how he responded to the, famil- to the famine in the land and the struggle that his family faced. So when the famine hit Bethlehem, Elimelech decided to flee and to run away from the problem before taking it to God and asking What next? What do I do, God? So when problems and difficulties arise in our lives, we get the chance to either endure it, we just grit our teeth and just bear it and hope for the best. We can try to escape it like Elimelech did and just run away and try and hide, hoping that it will go away. Or we can actually enlist it, which is to stand firm in God so that we become stronger from those challenges. So the issue with what Elimelech did is that we can never truly run away from our problems. They always seem to follow us. And I remember when I finished, when I was finishing up my uni course, I was finishing it at a different time to the rest of my cohort. They had all finished, applied for new grad jobs and were starting jobs before I was quite finished uni. So all the new grad jobs and all the jobs that I wanted had already been taken and already had started before I even got the chance to apply. And so I thought, okay, I'll do the most logical thing. I'll just stay in my job now. I won't just jump into something that I don't really want to do and then have to leave six months later. You know, I'd planned this perfect line of where I was going to go in my head. And it wasn't until one Sunday here in church, I just felt God say, do you want to ask me? Like, (laughs) I'm here, I'm ready to give you advice or lead you. So I said, all right, God. And so I I let him guide me and he guided me to this job application that said, you know, all these different things, but required three years experience. I had zero days, (laughs) zero hours experience at that point. And I still really felt God say, no, no, apply. And so long story short, at the end of that application process, they literally told me, oh, it's down to you and one other person who's got five years experience. And I was like, well, great, that's at least three years. It will be fine. Anyway, two days later, I got the call saying, you got the job. The job is yours. A job that I didn't even think I should have applied for until I asked God. And a job that I'm still in today. So why exactly was going to the land of the Moabites a bad thing? So firstly, the Moabites came from the descendants of Lot, which is Abraham's brother-in-law, came from Lot's incestuous union with his firstborn daughter. They became an enemy of the Israelites because of how the Moabites treated them on their journey from Egypt to the Promised Land, which we can see in Deuteronomy and Numbers. And in the period of the judges, we see in Judges 3, when when the Israelites did not have a king, the king of Moab invaded the Israelites 
and then ruled over Israel for 18 years. So not only did Elimelech turn away from God, he then found shelter and turned to their enemy, a people who had inflicted harm on the Israelites and who follow their own God and their own rules and their own standards that did not align at all to the Israelites. So there are times in our lives where we forget to turn to God. We try and do things in our own strength and in our own way. We may even actively try and turn away from God, ignoring him and his promptings. But they are there to guide us through. I remember when uh, my husband Dan and I were trying to make a big decision about if we uh, stay in Canberra or if we move to Brisbane because I like warm weather. Um, and, you know, we were really tossing it up and we were, we were looking. I was even looking at jobs up there. I started looking at apartments and different places to live. We were just, like, dreaming and desiring about how good the weather would be. Or, um, and I remember we didn't... We got carried away in what life could have been like up there before we really turned to God. And so every single time I would try and apply for a job or look at an apartment, I just felt God's prompting. So I'd be like, God, what do you want? And as I'm, you know, still carrying away with what I wanted, I just saw God say, I've got Canberra for you. You're staying in Canberra. You've got stuff to do in Canberra. And so one time Dan and I went on a walk and I was like, Dan, I think, I think God wants us to stay in Canberra. He was like, oh, yeah, good, I agree. Yeah, that's what I think God's saying too. So after all of that, when we, if we just turned to God first, we would have known he had Canberra for us. So if we turn to God first in all of our problems, decisions, confusions, we can recognize that God has the best plan for our lives, that he lays out the best plan before us. And we can find that in Proverbs 16. It says, In their hearts, humans plan their course, but the Lord establishes their steps. So if we read on in Ruth, When Naomi heard in Moab that the Lord had come to the aid of his people by providing food for them, she and her daughters-in-law prepared to return home from there. With her two daughters-in-law, she left the place where she had been living and set out on the road that would take them back to the land of Judah. Then Naomi said to her daughters-in-law, go back, each of you, to your mother's home. May the Lord show you kindness as you have shown kindness to your dead husbands and to me. May the Lord grant that each of you will find rest in the home of another husband. Then she kissed them goodbye and they wept aloud. And she, said, and she said to her, we will go back with you to your people. But Naomi said, return home, my daughters. Why would you come with me? Am I going to have more sons whom can become your husbands? Return home, my daughters. I am too old to have another husband. Even if I thought there was still a hope for me, even if I had a husband tonight and then gave birth to sons, would you wait until they grow up? Would you remain unmarried for them? No, my daughters, it is more bitter for me than it is for you because the Lord's hand has turned against me. At this, they wept aloud. 
Then Orpah kissed her mother-in-law goodbye, but Ruth clung to her. Look, said Naomi, your sister-in-law is going back to her people and her gods. Go back with her. After 10 years, 10 whole years of living in Moab, Naomi, now a widow and childless, apart from her two daughters-in-laws, hears that good news that God has returned and God has rescued his people from the famine. She tries to convince her daughters-in-law to go home, keeps trying, that it's in their best interest not to come along to Bethlehem. And some scholars and people believe that this is actually to cover up the fact that her husband sinned by running away from God. And that living in that foreign land where they're worshipping other people and that they let their children, their sons, marry Moabite women. In Proverbs 28, it says, He who covers his sin will not prosper, but whoever confesses and forsakes them will have mercy. So when we live our lives in hiding, if we try and cover up our mistakes, our wrongdoings, our lies, somewhere along the way, we can get trapped into that careful web that we have created. So a spider web can be so pretty and so beautiful when it's laid out and designed so perfectly. However, one wrong move particularly for like a fly or an insect, and they can get trapped there. And we don't want to be people who create this beautiful web on the outside to then just get caught up in the own web of lies that we create. But if we actually confess to God and to a trusted person what's going on, our sins, our mistakes, God is actually so gracious He will forgive and he does have mercy on you and he does allow you full access to him. So despite Naomi's convincing words about leaving her and returning home, Ruth stayed and declared this beautiful next passage, my absolute favourite part of this chapter. So Ruth said, don't urge me to leave you or to turn back from you. Where you go, I will go. And where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die. And there I will be buried. May the Lord deal with me, be it ever so severely, if even death separates you and me. When Naomi realized that Ruth was determined to go with her, she stopped urging her. So somewhere along the line, Ruth has had an encounter with God. She could have gone back home with her sister-in-law. She could have gone back to be with her family, to go back to the safety of what she knows. However, something, something inside of her was urging her to go ahead with Naomi to Bethlehem. That whatever was ahead was better than what was behind And as a Moabite, by law, she actually was not even allowed to enter the congregation of the Lord. It says in Deuteronomy, no Amorite or Moabite or any of their descendants may enter the assembly of the Lord, not even in the 10th generation. 
But despite everything that had occurred in Ruth's life up until that point, and the fact that she was a Moabite, she found the grace of God. It was by grace that she was able to still come to God, despite where, what family she was born into. So Ephesians 2 says, For it is by grace you have been saved, through faith. And this is not from ourselves. It is a gift of God, and not by works, so that no one can boast. So Ruth is this beautiful example of how there is nothing we can do in our own power, nothing we can say, but simply to trust in our Lord Jesus, to simply put our trust in God. We cannot save ourselves. We cannot be forgiven by ourselves or set free until we are saved through this beautiful gift of grace that he extends to us. So, if we read on in Ruth, the two women went on until they came to Bethlehem, where they arrived in Bethlehem. The whole town was stirred because of them. And the woman exclaimed, can this be Naomi? Don't call me Naomi, she said. Call me Mara, because the Lord has made my life very bitter. I went away full, but the Lord has brought me back empty. Why call me Naomi? The Lord has afflicted me. The Almighty has brought misfortune upon me. So Naomi returned from Moab, accompanied by Ruth the Moabite, her daughter-in-law, arriving in Bethlehem as the barley harvest was beginning. So Naomi, by returning to Bethlehem with Ruth, risked being judged, risked being an outcast, being turned away and not welcomed back into that community. But instead of hiding or pretending that the last 10 years didn't even exist, she decided to tackle the sin head on. She decided to step forward and speak to them. And meanwhile, Ruth stepped into a community of people who loved and served the Lord God. Her life was forever changed from choosing to leave her old, from leaving her past and looking forward to being in the community with God, to the merciful God who totally and utterly loved her, chose her and welcomed her into this heavenly kingdom. So if anyone is here and is facing situations that feel impossible, feels like maybe your prayers are not even being heard, feels like you're just stuck, there's things in the past that are just holding you back, I really want you to take note and focus on at least one verse from this passage from Isaiah that we're about to read together. To remember that your God is bigger, that your God has a purpose for you, that your God sees you and He is with you, no matter what situation it is that you're turning from. He is there to meet you with open arms in everything. So Isaiah 43, 
verse 16 to 21, it says, This is what the Lord says. He who made a way through the sea, a path through the mighty waters, who drew out the chariots and horses, the army and reinforcements together, and they lay there, never to rise again, extinguished, snuffed out like a wick. Forget, forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. The wild animals honour me, the jackals and the owls, because I provide water in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland to give drink to my people, my chosen, the people I formed for myself, that they may proclaim my praise. So if that is you today and there's something that you just can't get through, that you just feel like this keeps holding you back or keeps getting stuck, or you need God to help you with a breakthrough, we're just all gonna close our eyes together. We're all just gonna focus on God. And if that is you who's just stuck, who just need, just need to hang on to God for what He has for you, instead of what's happening right now or what's been behind. I just encourage you to just pop your hands out in front of you, to just receive from God right now. That God, what is ahead is so, so much better than what is behind. And right now, Jesus, we accept. We accept this life this joy, your promises, God. And we hang on to your promises. Thank you, Jesus, that what is ahead is better than what's been behind, that you see our hearts and our desires and that you are willing to grant them to us, Jesus. God, be with us as we journey towards you as we open the scary parts of our hearts and our lives and our dreams towards you. In your mighty name, amen. Now Ruth, in my personal opinion, is one of the bravest examples that we have in the Bible of someone to actually choose to step into a life and a relationship with God to actively choose to turn from what was behind and walk towards her future with God. That was so unknown, but so cool. So we also can have the opportunity to choose to turn from whatever's been going on in our current life and enter into a relationship with Jesus, the one who saved you by His grace that even before you knew Him, that He loved you and that He had a plan for you. So today, if you wanna give your life, maybe for the first time or for the seventh time, to this God who absolutely adores you 
and has a life better for you ahead, then we as a church are just going to pray this prayer all together after me. And I just want you just to join in, to join in and make that for yourself. So again, we're going to close our eyes because it helps us to focus. And we're going to repeat after me. Thank you, Jesus, that you chose to love me. Thank you for dying on the cross. I choose to invite you into my heart. I choose to follow you. Thank you that by grace I am saved. Thanks for listening. We hope to see you in church again this weekend. To find out more about our church, find us online at c3churchwatson.com.au.